Good morning, and happy Easter, or happy Resurrection Day, as some people call it. So today, um, I have to say, you know, growing up as a kid, I never went to church, so I really had no idea what Easter was about. Um, I remember uh, when I was younger, looking forward to a certain time of year when, um, like, Cadbury cream eggs would come out. I vaguely remember, too, in elementary school going on perhaps a one Easter egg hunt, and, well, that was kind of fun. But it was kind of, uh, it was surprising to me. It wasn't, I think it wasn't until um, maybe my early, maybe my first year in college I heard anything about a connection between Easter and Jesus. I said, oh, really? I had no idea. So what is the big deal about Easter? What is so significant about Jesus rising from the dead? Now, don't get me wrong. If someone who was dead suddenly came back to life, that would be a shocking event. That would be all over the news. But how does someone rising from the dead about 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world affect me today? Now, there are records of other people in the Bible having been raised from the dead. The Lord Jesus himself, he um, was involved in raising a number of people from the dead. We see in the Old Testament a couple prophets, um, Elijah and Elisha. They also brought people up from the dead. Now, of course, this is not to say that resurrection was a common occurrence. It wasn't. But what makes Jesus' resurrection so significant. So we're going to answer that question in the next hour. We're going to look at why the resurrection was such an important event in terms of displaying God's power and how to apply the resurrection in our life today in 2022. So first, really to appreciate why the Lord Jesus' resurrection is so important, we need to understand why his death was so important. Why did Jesus die in the first place? Well, I mean, that's an, there's an easy answer to that. I mean, Jesus died for our sins. And there are many people who are um, not Christian who would actually give that response because they've heard it somewhere. But do people really know what that means? And really, most people don't. And the only way to really understand what that means, that Jesus died for our sins, is to apply that statement to yourself personally. Jesus didn't just die for the sins of the world. He didn't just die for um, unnamed billions of people. He died personally for you, for your sins. He died personally for me. Before I was saved, I was on my way to hell. I was in a seriously bad position, and Jesus had compassion on me, dying for me on the cross. Now, part of me, because I work in healthcare, I'm very partial to thinking about things in terms of medical needs. So I'm going to use a little um, medical illustration to illustrate what it means that Jesus died for my sins. So let's take this scenario. Let's say a doctor walked up to you one day and said, I have some good news for you. I have a cure for your cancer. 
Now, I know some people um, in our church have had cancer in some form or another. Uh, many of us have not, though. But let's just say, to your knowledge, you have no cancer, and someone just comes up to you and says this. Now, what would be good news to, would be kind of strange news to you. You would say to this doctor, well, um, I think you have a mistake here. You have the wrong patient. I, I don't have cancer. However, let's take the scenario where you actually do have cancer, and a doctor does say that they have a way to treat your cancer. And you know you have cancer because you're, you recognize some symptoms you're having. Uh, you've been shown an MRI with some very visible tumors. You have some blood work that has some alarming results. So when this doctor tells you, I have a cure for your cancer, that really is good news. If I had cancer and my doctor tells me that there's a way to treat it, I want to know about that, about that treatment right away. And that's how it is with us and our sinful condition. Before I really read and understood the Bible, I was convinced that, okay, I wasn't a perfect person, but I was deep downside a good person. I had heard people say at some point or another that Jesus died for our sins, but I didn't make a personal connection with it. I was like that person who was deathly ill with cancer, but I did not know it. If someone tried to share with me the gospel saying that Jesus died for my sins, I didn't really think that applied to me. Sure, I wasn't perfect, but I did not deserve to go to hell, right? Or as my oldest son, Gabriel, puts it right now, when, I was, when my wife and I try and tell Gabriel that he's a sinner, he says, no, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm good. But whether we want to admit it or not, we're all born with this horrible spiritual condition called a sin nature. We have a natural tendency to do the wrong thing. Things that are displeasing to God. And whether we want to admit it or not, we have all sinned. We have all done things deserving of eternal punishment. Now, just like in the medical field, we have certain instruments that can test whether people have a certain condition or not. The Bible has parts of it that are very good at testing whether a person is a sinner. A part called the law. So take just a couple of the more famous of the Ten Commandments, like you shall not murder or you shall not commit adultery. Well, you might think to yourself, I haven't done anything as serious as murder or adultery. But the Lord Jesus teaches that just being angry at someone without cause is equivalent to murder. Just thinking about adultery in your heart, that's as bad as committing adultery in the flesh. It's still sin, and the Bible teaches that the soul that sins shall die. And by death, it means eternal punishment in a very real place called hell. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. He did what no one else was able to do. Though I deserve to be in hell for being a sinner, Jesus took my place, substituting himself in a place where I should be, taking my punishment. And he could do this because he had no sin. 
So we established why Jesus died for my sin, and that's wonderful. If I know that I'm a sinner deserving to go to hell, but I realize Jesus died for my sins, that's, that's awesome. But now, how do I know that Jesus dying on the cross was enough to take care of my sin problem? I mean, a death sentence is something very serious. And that's why the resurrection is so important. There's often the question in the medical field about how much treatment is enough? You know, I see a number of cancer patients and a question they always wonder is, you know, um, you know they know they're gonna go through months of radiation chemo, but they wonder, will it be enough to take care of it? Now, I can remember for myself, I was really sick about 12 years ago. I had this infection that started my jaw, was going down my throat, and I was hospitalized for over a week. And the doctors were trying a lot of different things with me. They tried one antibiotic, and it had no effect. They tried a second one, it had no effect. I went through a couple surgeries inside my jaw, and they were right here. And still, um, I was very sick, and they were not sure what was going on there. So by the time they were getting to the fifth antibiotic, I was really wondering, how much is going to be enough here? Will, this, will I be cured of this? So when is a person really cured? Now I come by people who think they've been healed or cured. Maybe for instance, I'm seeing a patient who broke their leg about a month ago. They had a serious fracture. Uh, once in a while I come by a patient, well they said, well I think my, my pain is all gone. I, I think I'm better. I can walk on this leg. And I'm thinking to myself, you really should not walk on that leg yet. You don't know if that's healed, you can cause some serious damage. I've encountered people that feel like they're better from different conditions like their diabetes or high blood pressure and they stop taking their medication because they feel like, well, I'm okay now. But feelings are not a reliable gauge of your, spirit, of your physical health and they're really not a reliable gauge of your spiritual health either. In regards to my sinful condition, I can't rely on feelings to say I'm healed from my sin problem because feelings are very subjective and can change. So in terms of physical health, how do people find out if they're really healed? Well, the example I gave about someone who like broke their leg, well, um, to really find out if that fracture's gone, you wanna go get an x-ray and see if there's a, there's a positive result for good healing there. Or if a patient with a brain tumor wants to know if their chemo or their radiation is working, then the doctor will take another MRI or CAT scan to see if the tumor is shrinking. Now when it comes to the question of my sin being fully taken care of, what evidence do I have that what Jesus did was enough? I mean, how do I know that Jesus' death fully paid for my sins? I mean, isn't it possible that um, 
him dying on the cross took care of 99.9% of my sin problem, but there was a 0.1% that couldn't quite be taken care of. And that's why the resurrection of the Lord is so important. If Jesus had remained dead, I would have no way of knowing that my sin problem had really been taken care of. As the Apostle Paul puts it, this is in 1 Corinthians is chapter 15, verse 17, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Jesus a number of times told people that he would die and be resurrected three days later. If he had not risen from the dead, that would have been, he would have been a liar. Jesus staking in the grave would have meant that he was not able to carry through with what he said he would do. Now, whenever my patients get that test result they're hoping for from the hospital, there's a sigh of relief. Sometimes there's a shout of joy. Once in a while, I think I even see someone thanking God. Maybe that patient who broke their leg two months ago, they got the x-ray showing there's now no fracture. Or maybe the cancer patient who had a new MRI scan showed, um, it showed their cancer is totally gone. That person who may have been very fearful about their condition just days ago now has evidence they're going to be okay. And as for us, for anyone here who's a believer, who's cried up to the Lord to save them from their sins, here is the evidence that your sin has completely been dealt with. The Lord Jesus is risen from the dead. It's not just that his tomb was empty, but Jesus was seen by many people after his resurrection. The resurrection is an indisputable fact. The Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15 again. It's verse 3. For I delivered first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Now, just like there might be some medical test showing that a person's been healed. If there was a test that could show my spiritual condition, the resurrection would be that positive test result showing my sin problem is gone. So, as a believer in 2022, how do I apply the resurrection to my life today? I now know that Jesus' resurrection is proof that my sin problem has been dealt with. And that's awesome. But God doesn't just want to stop there. He wants us to know the power of his resurrection. And this is something that uh, the Apostle Paul mentions in a couple of epistles. In Philippians 3, Paul mentions that he wants to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And the book of Ephesians, 
Paul says he really wants other believers to know just how powerful the resurrection was. He prays that the believers might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I want to consider now how much power was involved in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The power of the resurrection was really the greatest display of power the universe has ever seen. When I think about massive displays of God's power, my mind often turns to um, passages like the parting of the Red Sea or God's creation of the universe. But the resurrection is really much greater than anything else you might read in the Bible. So let's look at just how powerful it was. When you think about how much power went into the Lord's resurrection, consider that the power of the resurrection was enough to overcome death itself. Now, to be absolutely clear, the Lord Jesus was really dead. The resurrection was not like a case of CPR. Now, um, in the medical field, you know, we can resuscitate people, like if a person was drowning and rescued from a lake. Um, you know, they might not have a pulse, they might not be breathing, but it's possible through CPR or some, lecture, some shocking to the heart that that person can be revived. But even though a person was in really bad shape, I mean, they may not have had a pulse or been breathing, they weren't really dead. There was still some brain activity, their cells were still working on some basis. And, you know, some people might even have been mistaken for being dead. There was this article that caught my eye in the news um, late last year about a baby being nearly buried alive who was born premature. And the first doctor who came to the scene thought the baby had died. And the funeral director, thankfully, saw that the baby had a pulse and the baby was rescued. But in the Lord's case, there's no question, he was dead. You could say that the Roman soldiers around him, they were really like professional executioners. They knew a dead person when they saw one. And one of them even put a spear into the Lord's side. The Lord's body was in the tomb for three days. Now, if a man is dead, you could have all the best doctors and nurses in the world. You can get the most expensive medications out there. You could spend billions and billions of dollars. You can't get that person to rise from the dead. I want to continue on in um, Gospel of Matthew for a little bit. We're going to turn to the passage where we left off at. Matthew 27, I'm just going to read a few verses, starting in verse 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees 
We gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how, much, how the deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now, from this passage, we can really appreciate the power of the resurrection when we see all the forces that were going against the resurrection. Now, Jesus had told people multiple times that he would rise from the dead. There were plenty of people who did not want to see that happen. The chief priests of Israel did not want to see that happen, so they talked to Pontius Pilate and got a Roman guard to watch over Jesus' tomb to see that nothing happened there. Now, first, Barrier, consider that the power of the resurrection was enough to overpower a Roman guard. Now, I personally haven't been in a real fight with someone. Um, when I was still taking martial arts, I was in a number of sparring matches with my fellow students. And sometimes I, was, I came out on top. Sometimes I was clearly the loser. Yeah, but um, I can tell you, after just fighting one person, I was exhausted. But here we're talking about um, a Roman guard, which may have been about 16 professional soldiers wearing armor and having swords, each of them trained to defend six feet of ground. Can you imagine yourself fighting through a bunch of Roman soldiers? Consider that the power of the resurrection was able to move two tons of rock. There was a huge stone that was placed over the entrance of the tomb where Jesus' body was. Now, this wasn't just any rock covering the entrance of the tomb. It was probably two tons, and it was slid into a groove in the ground. So it may have been easy enough for a few people to get the rock into the groove, but getting it out would have taken some unimaginable force. They didn't have bulldozers in those days either. But more than these people and the things I mentioned, there was actually someone much more powerful who's not directly mentioned in the passage who really did not want to see Jesus rise from the dead and wanted to do everything possible to prevent Jesus from rising from the dead. Now, he was around from the start of the Lord's ministry, trying to do all he could to oppose the Lord with 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. And he probably wasn't too far away during much of the Lord's earthly ministry, trying to do whatever he could to obstruct the Lord's ministry. We see the Lord frequently engaged in conflict with his servants that were demons. And most recently, we saw him taking control of Judas and betraying the Lord Jesus. 
Satan, the most powerful created being, who's called the ruler of this world and the prince of the power of the air, was still around, and as he had opposed the Lord Jesus in his life, he and his demons were going to do all they could to prevent the Lord's resurrection. There was a battle at the tomb of the Lord Jesus, which was invisible to human eyes, but it did happen. In the book of Colossians, it's mentioned that the Lord, in his death and resurrection, disarmed principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them and triumphing over them. And of them that the Lord Jesus was triumphing over was Satan and his demons. Like I said before, the resurrection was the greatest display of God's power the universe has ever seen. But here's here's a crazy thing, or wonderful thing, really. It's not just that God wanted to show us the amazing power of his resurrection, but he wants to use this immense power in the lives of believers. He wants to use that power in our lives I'll just reread that verse from Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 19. Paul prays that believers would know what is the exceeding greatness of God's power towards us who believe. According to the power of Christ's resurrection, or as Paul puts it, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, it's the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead that can be at work in our own lives, that God wants to use in our lives to accomplish his perfect purposes. Maybe you're going through a hard time right now in life. Maybe there's a sin you're struggling with. Maybe it could be anger or lust or jealousy or bitterness. Perhaps you're undergoing some trial in your life right now. Or perhaps you're having a time of discouragement and you seem to have few friends. Maybe it seems like everything is going against you. I have to say, there's sometimes I feel like I'm at wit's end being a dad. And I feel like with my oldest son, it will be a miracle if he becomes a functional adult when he grows up. So, there are many things in life that can overwhelm us. And I may be be tempted to think, I don't have the resources or strength to deal with these things. But let let me remember this. God doesn't want me to fail. And the same amazing power which he used to raise Jesus from the dead to defeat Satan and his angels, he wants to use in my life. If I remember really the power of his resurrection, just how powerful that was, I really have nothing to worry about in life, ever. If you're a believer in the Lord, God has called you to live in a special way. He wants you to be an imitator of Christ, living in such a way that you have the Lord's character. Now, you know, I don't have the ability to do that in myself. I'm just a sinful person. That's impossible humanly speaking, 
but by the power of the resurrection, it is possible. So in summary, the Lord's resurrection is so important because by it we know that our sins were fully taken care of, 100%, without doubt. If there was a test for my spiritual health, Jesus' empty tomb and him rising from the dead would be like a test result showing that my sins have been fully dealt with. And to help us in living the way God wants us to, we should seek to know the power of his resurrection. His resurrection and the power of it should be continuing to affect my life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for saving our souls. Thank you that you are our risen Lord and Savior. And thank you how that you died and rose again and completely took clear our sin and that, Lord, you continue to work in our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, in your name.